Well, hello, podcast listeners. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I want to encourage you today, share the podcast with somebody else. Just go in, grab the link, text it to somebody. If it's a blessing to you, just spread the word. You know, our lives are filled with so much noise that we need uh, all the truth and all the grace to fill our hearts that we can get. I want to ask you today, uh, are suffering and sorrow opposed to our joy and happiness, or do they go hand in hand? Well, we dig into that a little bit in the podcast. It's a great podcast today. I think you're going to enjoy it. Um, But listen in to see how might our suffering and sorrow go hand in hand with our joy and happiness. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast. This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Jonathan. Good morning, Freddie. How are you? Happy podcast Tuesday. February 15th. The day after. (laughs) Valentine's Day. Two days after the Super Bowl. Did you did you watch the Super Bowl? I watched the halftime show. Welcome to the podcast, folks. So glad you're listening. You did watch the halftime show. You did watch it. I watched the last like two minutes of the second quarter because you're a gangster rapper wannabe. <laughs> well, actually, my wife. Don't you have a poster of Snoop Dogg up in my your? My wife. <laughs> I, I didn't listen to that when Snoop Dogg was 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 um, performing. Yeah. No, but while my wife has for two weeks when she heard about who was performing, yes. she put it on her calendar so we had to even keep the kids up late because it was like 7 o'clock. Why did she o'clock. do that? Because all those performers were from our teenage years, right? I think so, but you know how old they were? Rachel was quick yeah. to uh, 50, yeah. 49. Yeah, they were all over 50. 51, they're all yeah. my age. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're not 50 yet, 49. Yeah. I'm, I just, I keep calling you 50 years old, and you're like, I'm 49. i got four months left. Um, but me and Eminem, we're about the same Okay, age. so let's talk about that just for a second because yeah. – I, I, I was I was pleased to see artists that I knew, yeah. You know, some of them. You actually knew their names. I knew Snoop Dogg. <laughs> yeah, let's be honest; he's the only one I knew. Um, but I, I like I, I I felt like the crotchety old man about fifteen minutes after halftime because it's, it's Susan Parker and myself are watching it. My nine year old. So that one scene where the ladies start feeling all over themselves, and there's like 20 of them around one dude, and they're booty dancing, and they're feeling all over themselves, and they're dressed immodestly, right? Do I sound like a crotchety old man yet? No, I don't, I don't remember seeing that. So, oh. <laughs> okay. Well, anyways. Um, it was like this one scene. They were downstairs in that White House, which was, that was so cool. Like, that set was so cool. So we're like, okay, Parker, turn your head. So he buries his head in the couch because we didn't want him seeing this provocative dancing, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and then he's like, can I just play Fortnite while we're, you know, like if I'm going to, you know, it's like, I got better ideas on what I can do than stick my head in the couch, you know? And, um, and we're like, we'll just turn it off, buddy. We'll just turn it off. So we turned it off. So we missed the whole rest of it. And so, uh, you know, once again, I'm disappointed that I can't in good conscience, watch the whole thing with all my kids. Cause quite frankly, I don't want my daughter dancing like that around a guy and quite frankly, like I don't want my I don't want my sons aspiring to have twenty women dancing around them. You, you know, anyways. So, um, 
so then I, you know, so then I get on social and everybody's like, best halftime show ever. <laughs> That's because the they only, knew their names. <laughs> the only problem was it was too short, you know, like needs to be longer. And I'm like, am I really that crotchety old man, you know? And, and so honestly, I want to go back and watch it again so that I can enjoy the whole thing and just not get so tripped up by that bad, you know, that, that scene that I didn't want my nine-year-old watching. And so I, I don't know what I was doing. I, I watched some of it. Rachel was Rachel doesn't dance a lot, but she was dancing the yeah. entire time. Yeah, she loved it. Yeah, and, um, that's great. Yeah, it was. But um, do you? I mean, you know, the Bible has a theology of dancing. Yeah, David there, and Michael. Michael got mad at David. Remember that coming back in Jerusalem with the Ark of the Covenant. That's the one. Yeah. that's the one dancing, and that's the dancing that honors the Lord. Correct. But then there was another dancing that earned John the Baptist his beheading. That's right. Do you remember that? I do. That was provocative dancing that would not have been like. You know, blessed by God. You're testing my hair. Is that Herod? Herod's mm-hmm. uh, granddaughter or niece? Look it up, podcast listeners. There it Look is. it up. Look it up. There's an adventures in honesty. <clears throat> Anyways, I don't. I like. I'm really not. I don't want to chase this rabbit too much. All but right. we'll just shoot the rabbit. But I will just say this. I will just say this. I do feel like we've all kind of gotten. Um, what's the word? Jaded. No. Used to it. Too comfortable. Comfortable. Too comfortable with the over sexualization of our culture. So, so that we can watch a whole show and not be bothered at all. And, you know, I, <laughs> one, of, one of our pastor buddies, Larry Robertson, uh, tweeted, and his tweet was, uh, Pastor, comma, what did you think about the halftime show? You know, anyways, um, that's... That's all I got about that. We're moving on. All right. Happy Happy Late Valentine's Day. Uh, happy Late Valentine's Day. I didn't get a Valentine's Day. Did you have a good Valentine's Day? I did. I did. I worked most of the day. Hung out with you just a little bit. What did Rachel do for you? Um, Look pretty and smile? She helped me a lot yesterday in the office. That's great. What a very great Valentine's Day thing to do. Susan wrote me a note. It was nice. Oh, how sweet. It was nice. Nice little note. A year ago, Freddie, what were you doing? Uh, this month. This month. One year ago today, month, February was, 15th, what were you doing? Yeah, laying in a hospital bed, freaking out. Yeah. Yeah, one year ago. One year ago. You went in February 11th, you got out February the something? Yeah. Yeah, in the brain dump, in the brain dump, I, I said that that I was thankful for that that experience. And I don't feel like I had, I, I don't feel like I had suffered a lot in life before that experience. I so in the hospital 14 days, in ICU six days. There was one day I wasn't sure I was going to make it. I had kind of the ultimate come-to-Jesus meeting in the hospital, you know, and there were other people much, much worse off than I was for sure. But um, I hated every minute of it, Jonathan, but I look back on it, and I'm immensely thankful. I'm sincerely thankful. That's what I wrote in the brain dump um, for the experience because God deposited a capacity to minister to others with compassion with comfort, with care that I didn't have before. And, you know, and, and that's, that's, it's what I wrote in the brain dump to others is God doesn't waste a moment. He doesn't waste a day of suffering that, you know, in, in the, in the, the scripture that came to my mind, which is one of my favorite texts of, it's one of the most hope filled texts of scripture in all the Bible is second Corinthians chapter one, verse three and following. Um, Blessed be the Lord God, father of our Lord, Jesus Christ who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort others um, with 
the same affliction with which we ourselves have received. And, um, and so, A, if you haven't been suffering in need of comfort, then you've not received it. So therefore, you don't have it to give. You don't have that experience and that capacity to give. So through that experience, God just, it's, he just built my pastoral tool belt, you know. And, and he gave me an encounter with him that was uh, very deeply meaningful, you know. So sincerely, if I had it to do over again, I would do it, you know, um, and hate every minute of it. But I would do it for what it gave me, Um the isolation, I said, was haunting. That was, um, you know, the Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. Um, one night I asked a nurse to pat me on the back. That's how, you know, <laughs> she started adjusting me like a chiropractor, you know. And I said, oh, no, I just need comfort. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I said, I don't, I don't know if I crossed the line there or not, you know, like asking the nurse to pat me on the back. But it was brutal, man. That's brutal. So I want to say, um, so Freddie, for now five weeks, six weeks, you've been talking about happiness and joy, blessedness. And for those that are sitting out or listening online, and they're saying, you 44-year-old man have no concept of the sadness and the despair and the brokenness that you can feel. Um, I want to give people encouragement that they're pastor hasn't felt every discouragement yeah. and does not know exactly no, right. where you are. But Jesus he, has. But, He's described as man of sorrow. But you have you have felt it. You have seen it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, of course, that's what this whole sermon series is about. It's not about your pastor can show you how happiness is, and he can explain it. It is our creator is the ultimate source and author of our joy, happiness, and contentment. Yeah, yeah. No matter what we're going through. No, that's right. Well, we all we're we're longing beings. We're all longing. We're all longing for fulfillment. So whether you're laying in a hospital bed or whether you're on the beach, your your soul is still longing. It's still longing for fulfillment, and that fulfillment is only found in Jesus Christ. Um. So. Yeah. Amen and amen. That's a good word. So somebody came up to you after. Service. I don't know if it's first or second, and, and asked a great question. You put this in the brain dump. Again, the brain dump, as you reminded us last week, is just kind of a dump of your day on Sunday and the week of just your thoughts and your um, and your takeaways from Rapid Sunday. Rapid-fire stream of consciousness. That's right. Here you go. So you wrote a real life or asked me this. Hey, hey, can I interrupt you? Yeah. I had a lady email me the other day and ask where I got my degree. <laughs> That's all she asked. You she didn't know how to take it. Did she you? just no. I was like, I was like, are you upset with the grammar and the brain dump? Because it was a reply to the brain dump email, you know. And I was like, well, so anyway, so I threw. I, th- I can't remember if she asked specifically college, but I threw my master's in there as well, you know, my, you know just in case, you know. A real life, a real. She never replied. A real lifer asked me this morning <laughs> if I had defined delight yet, and you say, I don't know, maybe I haven't. So when I say our goal for the sermon series is that we would all. Daily, deeply delight in God. I simply mean that we would take pleasure in God in every way, in all aspects. I added the last part. Yeah. Well, and that, but but that's because that was the definition. That's right. Yeah. Take pleasure in God. That's right. That's right. To and take pleasure in, and um, that that's what it means to delight. So that's the goal that we would take pleasure in God. I love it, man. I love it because Christ, people have been Christians 
their whole life, and they've never thought that they could take pleasure in God. I love it. Greater pleasure than any other pleasure in this world for their soul can be satisfied, can be found in God. We occasionally mention um, how many people gathered in person, and we want always you. Want, we always want to say we're not about numbers here, but again, every we're not ne- obsessed with numbers. That's right, and we don't put our hope in numbers, but we celebrate them, baby. Because every six seventy, come cause, on, because every person isn't every number is a person. That's here's, right. Here, here's here's why. Listen, here's why that's worthy of celebrating. Uh, Ashley Howe came up to me. Uh, and she came up to me like two weeks ago, and she said, we've been we've been inviting every one of our clients to come to church, and the first one came today. And I was like, <laughs> awesome. You know, so as we celebrate a number, there's stories like that behind every number. And then, um, well, she came up to me Sunday, and she said, a second client came today, you know, and I was like, yes. And so the reason we celebrate that is because there's stories of people living life on mission, investing in their network of their neighbors, their coworkers, their clients. And uh, that is worthy of celebration. That's what it means to be a disciple. It's to live life in obedience to Jesus, with Jesus, on mission with Jesus. So, um, you know, em- emphasizing the numbers is is just catalyzing discipleship. I mean, that's what it is. And, uh, you know, people compartmentalize it and try to, you know, dice it up. And usually, usually it's, well, anyway. We're moving on. So, so 670 you. people showed up in person plus the additional online, you spoke about delighting in God, and you used Psalm 1 as your text. And so, unless you've got anything, and we're going to dump the brain dump, <laughs> we ready to move on to your sermon? Sounds good, man. All right, let's take a pause before we do that. I look forward to diving back into Psalm 1. We want to know more about you at Real Life. We want to hear your story at Real Life. We want to discover what makes you passionate at Real Life. We want to do that at The Path. The Path starts this Sunday at 10 a.m. at the City Forum. The Path is a two-week experience for you to sink your teeth into our DNA, for you to get connected and dig a little deeper at Real Life. And it's our opportunity to learn more about you. Sign up for The Path today by texting MISSION to 97000. That's MISSION to 97000. Sign up today. Jonathan, Psalm 1, here we go. Psalm 1. What you got? So being verbist, actually, back in October, when you had the elders preach, um, he taught the whatever I taught. I can't remember the, the unworthy servant or whatever. But he actually used Psalm 1 and Psalm 2. So... Psalm 1 is just a great, it's actually a very small psalm. It's only six verses. And um, you focused in on Psalm 1 and delighting in God. And let's just go over your three points real quick. Uh, we won't delve into those too deeply. Let's look at Psalm, but it was. Psalm 1, the, the man is blessed, or you said, I think. The three, man, three reasons why man is happy. we delight in God. That's right. And no, it's, no, it's kind of like three motivations why we, why we, why we want to delight in God. And those were because we are blessed. The man, the person okay. who delights in God is blessed, is fruitful, and is safe. That's right. And so as we've been going through, and you've gone through a lot of different things, you even brought up, you know, making the difference between joy and happiness, but I think you made a good point of saying, let's, let's not miss the point of what this whole sermon series is about. Yeah. It is about the reason why we are created 
And that the reason why we're created is to delight in our Creator. Yeah, to know and enjoy God. I mean, that's it. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's a lot more complicated than that. But that's kind of the point here. And I think the psalmist here in Psalm 1 um, says things that you don't do if you want to be delighting in God. Yeah, it's a big picture. Yeah, and he gives us some things, a little couple little things that we could do if we want to delight in God. Yeah. You want to go over those? Well, let's do it. Uh, you... Let me read it. If It's not yes. that long, and I think I can read it fairly uh, Go for it. How happy is the one. I'm reading actually out of the CSB, Christian Standard Bible. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. So the first couple, actually the first verse, just knocks it out. And um, and so, you know, we've talked about this, and you mentioned the Bible Project uh, app, and they got an app now, and also the Bible Project website, whatever. YouTube page. That's right, YouTube. Yep. That's the word I was looking for, YouTube. Uh, and, um, and they have great, all the way across from any age group. It's just wonderful, wonderful stuff. Really good instruction of what God's Word says and how it's structured. And so I've talked about how my wife has um, been listening to the Rachel. podcast. Rachel, yes. You know, Susan gets annoyed when guys refer to their wives as my wife, Rachel. Rather I always say Rachel, and then you say your wife. So I said my wife, and then you said Rachel. So uh, I'm just helping the podcast. So the, I'll just call her my white knuckle. Who is Rachel? <laughs> my and white then knuckle. when you refer to her as my wife, I'm like, what's her name? <laughs> so I, I wish I had said the white knuckle. I, how many comments I got on Sunday about that? But anyway, so my little white knuckle, Rachel, my oh wife, my um, she's listening to the paradigm um, section or their t- teaching in their their um, on their podcast. The Bible Project. Yeah, and so they call this meditation literature. And, you know, it brought a good point up to me as we were talking about this Sunday. You know, the the Torah or the Torah, you know, the Old Testament, a lot of the Old Testament, the only time they got to experience God's Word, they didn't bring their scroll out of their back pocket. They didn't have the device. They could just go, look, they didn't have the Bible, like 17 of them around their house, dust on them or not dust. They had to go to an assembly where some someone, some man, would sit up and read the scrolls of God's sacred scriptures to them. And what they would be wanting to do, what God wanted them to do, is take away and say it and say it and say it. And that is what the word we get. With meditation, and so I think the first verse you see, as I think you said very appropriately yesterday, as we were talking, you see the cycle of sin. You see the man who is not happy, who is not blessed, who is first walking, and then he is stopping and standing, 
and then he just decides to sit and dwell. Yeah, there's a real progression in sin. I love I love what you're bringing out though. Is the Torah, the fi- first five books of the Bible, that um, you know, in in so many cultures, in more cultures in the world than not, these cultures are oral cultures. Even to today, if you just surveyed the world, what you would find is more cultures in the world are oral c- cultures, which means they're not. They're not reading, they're talking, and they're remembering. And um, I, I actually took a class in seminary called Orality. And it's just, it's just our, my, my degree was in missions. So as you think about missions, you have to understand orality because if you're a missionary, chances are you're going to go to an oral culture where you don't open up the Bible and say, read this, but rather you recount the stories of the Bible. And then they hear it, they remember it. So it's hard for us to imagine, but a Hebrew 13-year-old had the first five books of the Bible memorized, right? Isn't that right? That is right. So, so you say, how in the world did that happen? Well, they activated their memory through the power of orality. And um, there's something there. You know, I, I think it makes sense because we, we remember uh, words to songs so easily, right? And so... Uh, so, in you're bringing up this idea from the Bible Project of this meditative literature that they're talking about. So, tell us. What, so here, tell us so here, so they actually did a part of one of their segments was they they pulled Psalm one out as an example of usually twos and threes put together, so it would be something that you could remember and that you could say. And and I do before I jump into to stand, sit, and walk. I mean walk. Stayed and sit. I do want to bring out though that that God had given these people, that His people, the Israelite people, these this scripture or His word, not to be devoured in a day and say, "Oh, I got this." Moving to the next one. This was to be savored day by day, chip by chip, word by word, scripture by scripture. They would say it all day long. And they would see how God would present himself in his personhood in what he had given them in the scriptures. And so I think what I said to you yesterday was it's kind of like this iceberg. You know, we we can take Psalm 1 or Psalm 23 or any of the Psalms, Psalm 119, and we can't just say, oh, I've got the three points. We're moving on to Psalm 2. This is something that God has given us to savor and see himself, not just in his word, but how he expresses that in our experience in life. And so if we look today, you, as you said, we see a progression of how the man is not happy. He's like, I don't know. My life's kind of falling apart today. I, I just wish I could be more happy. You know, Freddie's been talking about being, you know, all blissome and joyful. I don't know how in the world that he can think that and live that in the world that I live in, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and I think the psalmist gives us very simple things. Yeah. You don't walk in a certain way. Yeah. You don't stand in, in a certain way. And you don't sit. And so I think... Maybe the Jewish person who was thinking through, who did not have someone in their back pocket, was saying all day long, meditation, walk, stand, sit, walk, stand, sit, walk, stand, sit. And who you're not walking with, you're not walking with the ungodly. And what do the ungodly do? Unfortunately, they then act upon that ungodliness and they sin. And then when they sin, then they just take complete derision of those that don't believe what they do, and then they they mock. So explain to us this meditative literature. So go back to the Bible project. They were presenting this idea 
uh, that some of the literature in the Bible is meditative literature. What does that mean, simply? Sure, it's that you should say it to yourself and meditate it all day long. But there was an aspect about meditative literature that they brought out that you were particularly excited about. The Haggah. What, 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 is that what you're that? talking about? So yeah. if you look at that word meditate in the original Hebrew, it's Haggah, and we would spell it H-A-G-A-H. And for you word geeks, that's a palindrome, which is, you know, spells the front way and the back way. It's all the same. Say that again. It's a palindrome. So it's spelled the same way, frontwards and backwards. Okay. And actually in the original Hebrew, it's only three letters, okay. three characters, and they're the same way. And I like to call this also an onomatopoeia, or any of those whack and brushes and crashes of the Say world. Say it again. Onomatopoeia. Say it faster. Onomatopoeia. Thank you. So it's the word that's spelled like it sounds. Okay. And so this is a very guttural sound. Haga, haga, haga. Would, would the word haga, haga. bam be an onomatopoeia? Bam, crash. That, that would be an onomatopoeia? Mm-hmm. That's okay. exactly right. So it would spelled like it sounds. And so... When the people, the Jewish people would read this, they're reading the word meditate. Yeah. Same word that we get in Deuteronomy 6. Yeah. Same word we get in Joshua 1.8. Okay. It's this meditation yep. of where they would actually sit around all day long, and as they're walking and as they're doing, as they're whatever they're making, they're yeah. Hagah, Hagah, they're saying, walk, stand, sit, walk, stand, sit, walk, stand, sit. And it was that's how they would meditate or they would take in God's word to see who he is and what he's doing around them. So the word Hagah, it sounds like what it is. That's right. In what way? It's guttural because you're talking. Okay. Walk and stand. And so there's these, the in meditative literature, there's kind of, the, it's, it's poetry. That's right. So, but there's these kind of repetition ways of, of, of speaking that it sounds like the word. That's right. Okay. So you remember in Deuteronomy 6, they said, you know, put it on your foreheads or put it on your, your hands, and they actually would do that. Yeah, right. But in this case, right. it's also, it says put it in your hearts, and the way you put it on your hearts is you say it to yourself. We talked last week. We ended last week with Colossians 3, and that was set your mind on things above yeah. and not on things on earth. Yeah, yeah. And what the Jewish people would do with meditation literature well, they just put it in their mouth, yeah. which would just stem in, would stem into their mind. Yeah. And before you know it, it would flow out of everything they would do. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I immediately think of these great pillared texts that so much of society has memorized. You know, I like my mind immediately goes back to um, uh, the Chicago Bulls quoting the, the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, you know. And whether or not that was this meditative literature or not, it shows the power of what you're saying, I think. It's like any any basketball fan in the 80s has a vivid image in their mind of the Chicago Bulls huddled up saying the Lord's Prayer. And it's like you can almost hear it. You can almost hear them saying it. And I think that, that in that there's great there's great power. One of my buddies, uh, Ryan Coatney, he has a, a kids' ministry called Cross-Formed Kids. And he's written songs to go along with the Scripture uh, and the Catechism. So he's written a catechism that supports the scripture, so these biblical statements of truth that kids can memorize, but then he's put a lot of it to music, these biblical concepts, for the very reason that we're talking about, is we want to commit these things to memory. The first sermon I ever preached, Jonathan, was in Psalm 119, verse 9, 10, and 11, and it asks the way, how does a man keep his way pure? Let me just pause there. 
And let's think about that question. How does a young man keep his way pure? Because every young man who has a smartphone walking around in his pocket has pornography available to him at two clicks. Boom, boom. And he's looking at horrific images. If he wants to, it's there. Wake up, parents. Wake up. If you don't know what your kids are looking at, you're doing it wrong, right? If you're not checking your kid's phone, you're doing it wrong. It's exhausting. I know. I got four of them. It's exhausting. Three of them have phones. It's absolutely exhausting. But it's terrible parenting if you if you don't know what your kids are looking at. Okay. Happy Tuesday morning. <laughs> but how does a young man keep his way pure? And he says, by guarding it according to your word. So how do we guard it? Well, then he goes on and answers in verses 10 and 11. I have hidden your word in, in my heart that I might not sin against you. So how do you hide God's word in, in, in your heart? Um, Why well, love things like music. I love what you're talking about here is, is that some of these, some of these scriptures have like a, a this, it, it's almost, it's written into the original rhythm of the scripture, the way it's written intentionally so that God's people could hide it in their hearts so that they could be a, a distinct, separate, pure people set apart for God, a possession. God describes us a possession of his, of, of his, we belong to him. Um, Peter says, once we were not a people, but now we are a people. We are his people. So I think Freddie and I understand the reality of the environment and the culture that we both live in and then what y'all live in or what the listeners live in. And so this is the hard part here. This is not what I like to call church talk. This is, this is real talk here. Because if you look further, it says in verse in verse 3, instead his delight is in the Lord's instruction or some say in the law yeah, of the yeah, lord yeah, yeah. And that law is the law but that yeah. law the law means where you just mentioned earlier the torah or in the hebrew the torah yeah the torah is just if you look at the base of that word it is like shooting an arrow or throwing a javelin and the direction in which it goes which yeah. hopefully is at the poor little bunny rabbit or <laughs> maybe it's just a bullseye on a target that that is what god has given us he has given us the direction in the order of how he's created us so that we could have pleasure not just in him, but pleasure in the creation of which he's given us to enjoy. And if we choose to go our own, that's what that word sinners means in verse 1. It means you miss the mark. God has given us the direction to hit the mark. But when we go off of that direction in Psalm 1, in that meditation, it's saying you follow my direction. Don't follow the direction of those that are around you in your cubicle next to you or in the car that's sitting around with you all day driving around or the people that you are going to lunch with. Don't find direction there. Yeah. Be intentional in the relationships. Yeah. But you find your directions by not abiding, not dwelling, not sitting among those folks. But follow what God's direction is, and he says that direction is... My law, my instruction. Think about it all day long. Yeah, the Bible says don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Proverbs 13, 20 says it this way. If you walk with the wise, you'll grow wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. So it's not like the Lord just wants us to avoid, uh, you know, uh, befriending um, sinful people in their ways, 
to rob us of our fun. He's, he's wanting to protect us. And he knows that, that we could be influenced to walk down destructive pathways. So the Lord's heart for us is to flourish. Everything in the scripture is that's spoken to us is with that aim, is that we would flourish. That, well, that's the second point. That's that the be, second point. That's exactly that we would what be you fruitful, did. right? Yeah, it's, it's like, beautiful. It's that's like what a you tree said. planted by streams of water. Yeah. It's fruited season, but even better, you know, and well, we may we may on the maybe in the last segment. Yeah. Can we talk about the fruit in the season? Uh, yes. But I want to before we I, I don't want to just cut this off, but you say in verse three, you just said it exactly, Freddie, without even saying verse three. Its leaf does not wither ever. Its leaf, the, the tree, the tree, which is us, that God, by the way, if you look at this word, it means plant, but it also kind of has this inference of transplanted, that God has taken us from a place yeah. where we were not thriving to a place where he is, yeah. the fountain of living waters, or in this case, the stream, that is going to supply us with everything that we were created to enjoy and, 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 and to to prosper and there's so much good stuff that i never bring out in the sermon well, but like what you just said he's like a like he's like ahead. a tree planted by streams that's such a beautiful segue of the fountain of living waters it's exactly the same thing it's it, so good and I you know it's even, even better go, go even back to no Gen- it's so good genesis one where was the tree of life yeah. um, it, it was coming out of the four rivers yeah and in yeah. revelation 21 that's the same thing yeah. that this tree is us it's his church the church that if we are nourished, and he doesn't give us, it's like, well, I'm not going to tell you what the nourishment is. He says the nourishment is me in the direction that I've given you. Follow my law, follow my instruction, and that is what pleasure is. That is when you will find prospering. That's not lots of money necessarily. It's not necessarily a great car, a great house. It's not the Ferrari, as Freddie talked about a few weeks ago. This is overcoming the world that's in complete turmoil around us. And in that, we can glean the pleasures of God and delighting in Him. Amen, brother. So good. You want to tackle seasons next, or you want to... You yeah, go? no, let's uh, let's take a break, and we'll talk about the tree planted by streams of water. Coming up. Every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday in real life. We believe God has put you in the neighborhood and in the job and at the ballpark or at the gym, right where he wants you to influence and invite others into his story, into a relationship with him. So here's today's challenge. Text a friend right now. Stop what you're doing. Send them a message and invite them to join you at Real Life this Sunday. Who knows? Maybe it'll be their first step into a relationship with God. Every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday. It real life. So text that friend today. Jonathan, we Fred. have we have a substitute producer this morning. Jason Turner. Burner. Back at it today. <laughs> Daniel Cox is out of town and Jason Turner. You know what you know what Daniel is doing today? He is today, he is pulling out from California with his wife Cecile, who he's been separated from for three months, not separated like they were angry and considering divorce. He moved here before she did. So he's been living alone and he is, they're, they're starting to drive across country today. <laughs> and he's been excited for six months. So he normally <laughs> is pushing the buttons and dialing us in. Um, but, but the OG, that's right. Jason Turner, he's got it on the helm today. <laughs> we appreciate you, Jason. So we so appreciate you, Jason. Thumbs up, thumbs up from Jason. So we were just talking about, uh, verse three, 
of Psalm 1. And again, let's, let's look big picture here. We were created to delight in God. And Psalm 1 is saying very clearly, we delight in God when we focus in on what he has given us to do and think. And he says, he is like a tree planted beside flowing streams. Last week, not this week, but last week, week sermon before last, you took us to Havasu Falls mm-hmm. and those beautiful pictures. Yeah. And you talked about, out of Jeremiah 2, mm-hmm. um, that God is like a fountain of living waters that yeah. never, never ends. Yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful. And when we see again now in Psalm 1, it... It, 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 you know, what I'm overwhelmed with, I had somebody uh, message me Saturday week ago, and she was going through some scripture, and she was just talking about how this was so similar to what you had preached on. And I just told her, I said, you know what is so wonderful about God's Word? It shows His steadfastness, His consistency. Yeah, his right. Word is the same. You can go throughout the whole Bible, Old Testament or New Testament alike, yeah. and you will see the same things because it is the expression of Himself. Yeah. So when He says in Jeremiah 2 that He is the fountain of living waters, He's still saying in Psalm 1 that if I'm going to take you, <laughs> I'm going to transplant you yeah. next to the streams. It's like a tree planted by streams. What stream? <laughs> That's right. What stream? What stream do you think it was, Fred? Yeah, this, this, well, I think the imageries that were planted by God, that we're getting our nourishment from Him, that that the fruitfulness comes from Him. I, you know, I think I think on one hand, the psalmist is just painting a picture, and he's just painting a picture of a tree planted by water, and we know that a tree is going to flourish when it has the right nutrients, when it has the right water, but I think. But I think on the other hand, God is super intentional. You know, I had I had somebody ask me, uh, it was really beautiful. I saw two two ladies that are in a community group, but they were studying the Bible over in the lounge on Sunday morning, the bowling alley lounge, near where your community group meets. And I noticed them just with their Bibles open and just talking. And it was awesome. It was so great. And um uh and then one of them messaged me that afternoon and just was referring to when Jesus said he'll fill us with streams of living water and she was asking about like, is there a correlation to that with, you know, was, was Jesus talking about Jeremiah? And I was like, well, Jeremiah was actually talking about what Jesus was talking about, you know, well, well, here, here what he said again, this is so great yeah. that the old Testament was saying our stream of living water yes, is Christ. That's right. That's right. Well, in, in most vividly the spirit of Christ, that's right. right? The Holy spirit. Because Jesus then speaks of uh, that he will fill us with streams of living water, the Spirit. Um, so it's so rich, so rich. In the se- in the second service, this didn't come out in the first, Jonathan, but in the second service, the the, the Lord led me to, to, to say, to address the folks that have read the Bible, like so they try it, and they say, okay, I'll try it. And they open up their Bible, I read my Bible. Well, it didn't do anything for me. And the Lord led me to address that and say, well, have you ever seen a tree grow? <laughs> you know, like have you ever taken your phone out and, and put it on uh, time lapse and come back three hours and then watch the time lapse? Do you see the tree grow? Well, no, you don't. It takes time. It takes, it takes time. So in other words, when we're talking about delighting in God, we're not talking about a good luck charm. We're, we're not talking about like rubbing your, your rabbit's foot. Um, we're talking about a real relationship where in the same way as 
it takes time to get to know someone. Uh, it takes time to get to know God. And you're not going to delight in God until you know God. So you, it's, it, it's, it's a matter of, of being introduced to him, of getting to know him personally and intimately, knowing his character, knowing what he's done in the world, knowing, and, and then experiencing his faithfulness in your own life, depending upon him. Experiencing, here's the beauty of it all, Jonathan. This is where suffering comes together with our joy, is we begin to take delight in God when we experience God as the strongest comforter in our sad days. So it's like, you know, it's the same way with like in a parent, you know, one of the reasons you love your parents so much is because they hug you day after day after day after day when you're sad, right? So you, de- you, you develop this deep well of affection. So, so this idea of like sadness and joy being like enemies, no, they actually go together as we think about finding our delight in God. We delight in the one who is stronger than anyone else, who comforts us most consistently and most supremely in our sadness and in our sorrow. We take delight in that one, in that, in that person. So that's a beautiful, I think, coming together of these concepts and of these ideas. You know, it's, you know, and, and, that's, and that's why Sunday I was saying, let's not miss the forest for the trees. Let's get the big picture, right? Um, I wanted to narrow in on this idea of delighting in God um, because it's important to narrow it in, but it doesn't make sense. Like, like most of scripture doesn't make sense unless you have the big picture, unless you can see the map, so to speak. So let me just underscore what you just said. It was just so beautiful, Freddie. So we don't see a tree grow. In fact, it takes years to watch it. Like, is it grown any? Maybe that one branch is going out a little further this is the meditation literature we were just talking about. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the Bible Project, one of the guys on there, he says, you know, I grew up, he's talking about himself, he grew up in church thinking he's going to take Psalm 1 and then he's going to have a devotional on it and that's going to be, you, you said, lucky charm. I'm just going to rub that rock or I'm going to rub that scripture and that's God's promise for me today. And I'm not saying it, you can't have a promise from God in scripture. Yeah. But that wasn't the point of it. Right. The point is exactly what you just said. Yeah. I'm getting excited. i got to calm down. Come on. Usually talk, Bring it on, brother. No, no, is that we have to take the, even the same Scripture or the same Scriptures or the same set of Scriptures and rub on those suckers and rub on those suckers and rub just like a water drop on a rock. Eventually, we're going to get it smooth because God is going to see us, as I said, and as you just said, in the absolute, listen, most of the people that are listening are in turmoil around them or their turmoil within their own yeah, family yeah. or in their lives. Yeah. And what I'm saying is that the Scripture is very clear that God is there. And if we put this murmuring, this Haggah, if we put God's Word in our mouth, yeah. then we will see day by day yeah. His presence and how, as, as you just said as we started off the, the podcast today, a year ago, you would never want to do that again, but to have the intimate experience yeah. with your Creator, your Savior, your Lord, to meet you at a spot where there was. And, and yeah. those that didn't hear the story, and I'll just say it real quickly, you got to a point when they said, Mr. Wyatt, we're going to give you this medicine. And you said, but what if it doesn't work? And they said, there is nothing else. That's right. And I think that's when you freaked out, and you're like, there's always something else. We live in America. 
There's always a medicine <laughs> to fix it. Right. And you came to a point where the, the doctors and the nurses and the medical professionals that looked at you and said, if this doesn't work, we got nothing else. That's right. And when we don't have nothing else, what do we have? The yeah. same exact yeah. thing when we had everything. That's we needed, right. That's right. Which was the intimate presence of yeah. God in a relationship with him. So the scriptures, you know, I challenged us, I think, first week, second week, go to God's word, read it. He will meet you there. I still believe that. Yeah. Yeah. But don't just stop first yeah. day. Yeah. You, you got to read it and read it and read it and read it and put it on your mouth and put it in your mind. Jonathan, you've probably heard this concept that sometimes the worst thing that can happen to a young man is success. Why is that? Well, it's, it's because it goes to his head, right? He becomes prideful. It becomes arrogant. He becomes self-sufficient, right? And so that's where suffering becomes our tutor. That's where suffering becomes our servant. Um, so many of us miss this key ingredient to spiritual maturity. If you're taking notes, <laughs> the uh, pull over in your car, pull over, <laughs> punch this in your phone. Um, Record a voice memo as you're driving down the road. A, a key ingredient to spiritual maturity, an often overlooked key ingredient to spiritual maturity is this. Persevere in suffering. You know, we think memorizing the Bible, praying, you know, fasting, you know, worship. Suffering is a spiritual discipline. Persevering through suffering is a spiritual discipline. You know, it's it, Jonathan, it's one of the reasons why when we go on mission trips to like third world countries, us first world, self-sufficient, you know, wealthy, have it all together, strong, educated, you know, comfortable North Americans. We go to these third world countries and we see these Christians that seemingly, in, at least in our definition, have nothing. You know, that they might not have running water. They may not have air conditioning and heat. They may be living in a house with a dirt floor. You know, I mean, like you just fill in the gap, right? And yet they're the happiest people we've ever met. Did you hear what he said? He said happy. They're the happiest people we've ever met. And, and when we get to experience that, it's often an aha moment for people, you know, of like, wow, wow. Everything I've been seeking and searching for and amassing for myself and putting my hope in is a broken cistern. Because here's these folks that seemingly have nothing, but actually have everything because they have God. And so that's that that's the beautiful piece there, I think, of where our, you know, of where our lack comes in. Uh, one of the things that came out of the sermon, I think, Sunday, was just uh, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When we have him... And when we know him, when we see and understand who we have, we realize I have no wants. I have no, I don't, I don't need anything else. And that sounds almost cliche, but until we get to that place in reality, we're always going to be groping for other things. And so praise be to God, he's taken us through this sermon series where we've been able to just open up the, the sacred scriptures and see Text after text after text. I do have one more. I do have at least one more message in delighting in God. One more week. Yeah. Psalm. I mean, Matthew thirteen forty four. So that's the verse. I have a I have a preacher I listen to that's out of Texas, and he did a series recently, 
And you know when we I make, the, I make fun of you know I make fun of you for listening to all your uh, preachers. Jo- Jonathan is sad that I don't listen to more preaching. I, I said that to you last night. Yesterday so I pulled, afternoon. I so sad. I pulled up two of my buddies, two of my buddies, one in Arizona, one in Louisville, and start and listen to some of their sermons. But I make fun of you because you listen to all these other preachers because it's just like you don't get what you know. It's like yeah, you know, Sunday morning it's just meh. You know, let, let me that. let me see if I, that's that's not. <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. I know you are. But but it is but it is difficult. It is difficult because our whole congregation can listen to the best preachers in the country every single Sunday. So here, I want, I seriously want to say this. I'm not concerned with you doing this. Yeah, yeah. But here's a real here's a real possibility. You listen to the best preaching. You. You know, you, you know what? Uh, I met with a, I met with a guy yesterday. I mean, last week. I met with a guy last week, and he was preaching for his church. Well, his church is a part of a. It's a campus of a bigger network of churches in Brentwood. Okay, and when they prepare to preach, all like six preachers of all those different campuses come together, and they have a hired assistant that's doing research for them on the text. Right, so. It'd be a great job. What's that? That would be a great job. Uh, you would love it, right? I would love that. Job. Like I, I hear something emerging in the future yeah, in real life. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but but here's but here's the deal. Here's the deal. If we're not careful, this is, I'm just I'm just speaking to like regular podcast listener. If we're not careful, and we listen to podcast preachers, and we and we don't realize like all that's going on behind that, it would be very easy to begin to compare your the, the, the quality of the preaching and to grow increasingly dissatisfied with what you hear on on Saturday morning uh, Sunday morning so listen to listen to the best podcast preachers but immerse yourself in biblical community you know and it, just be aware just be aware that that can be aware that that can happen um you know what you know one of the things preachers hear all the time is like when folks or you know, are leaving their church, and I haven't heard this in a really long time. Praise God! Um, but is I'm not being here. You you can repeat that. I mean, you can finish the sentence. I'm not being fed. Oh. You're not a preacher, so you don't hear that. Oh. <laughs> I'm not being fed. I'm not being fed. Well, let me give you a nugget to respond to. I'm not being fed. The mature. This is Paul David Tripp is quoting him. The mature are easily edified. The mature are easily edified. Um, so there comes a certain point when the teenagers in my home, if they're hungry on Saturday afternoon and they need lunch, we don't allow them to whine about someone not fixing them food. We say, go fix yourself something to eat. Right? So there's a place of spiritual maturity where we're to be feeding our own souls. Right? And we don't, we don't treat church like a you know like a consumer piece. I'm going on a little bit of a rabbit trail no, here. No, keep going. And I don't even know. I don't even know what. what no, I'm, this I've point, got it but, all in my head, but I want to yeah. respond to it because I want to encourage. <laughs> well, anyways, both podcasters and you. Yeah. So, so, anyways, I just uh, I I want to empower our people today. I want to empower our people today to just say um, the mature are easily edified. And what, what does that mean? Well, that means on my worst day of preaching, um, you're going to find something in it to feed your soul. That's what maturity does. Maturity takes the the smallest morsel and, and is built up by it. But no, I mean, I think I was just here. Here's what. <laughs> here's what. 
you often refer to the podcast preachers that you listen to, and I think it's wonderful. I think it's I think one of the greatest things Christians can do is listen to preaching. Um, I just want to issue the caution of um, right now, within seconds, you can have the best preachers in the nation in your ears, and I would just say, just be careful. Just be careful to not grow, um, to not let that consumeristic itch right scratch um, where you. Um, you grow dissatisfied with the preaching that you're hearing in your local body, right? That's that's all. That's all I'm trying to say. So, uh, for those that don't know what I do, I'm I'm an attorney by trade, and I'm what we would call a transactional attorney. I don't go to court and do all that scary stuff. I I do documents all day and kind of boring. Is some some lawyers do a lot of exciting things? I don't, <laughs> and I deal with. You can't handle the truth. I don't do that. Uh, and uh, and so I deal with. I have the I have the luxury and benefit to get to deal with lots of attorneys across the nation. Right now, I do real estate, and so this area is growing. And so there's a lot of people from say New York, uh, from Atlanta, Chicago, from Los Angeles. And there's a lot of people coming here, and they're buying things, and then they have really, really, Fred, smart attorneys. Yeah. And I would like to say a lot smarter than me. <laughs> and, um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know, I have clients that still, for some strange reason, choose to use me. Yeah. Am I as smart? Am I as educated in the law? Is I'm experienced in the law? Do I know I like this those transactions and documents this as well great. as I do? Yeah, you know, I, I, there's no way I do. Yeah, that's great. But, you know, there is a center of what I do. And the center of what I do is I know what my client needs, I know what my client wants, and I know how to get there. And if I don't, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Just because there's a maybe a better looking, maybe better dressed, and that's not yeah. just what they're wearing, that's the way they present their documents, sure, the, the sure. way they have conference calls, that's yeah. how they structure their emails. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I, I can be as fancy as I want to be, yeah. but at the end of the day... yeah. I am serving yeah. the clients that I believe yeah. truly that God has put before me. Yeah. Well, at nine at nine fifty today, at nine fifty today, uh, Bing Verbus, one of our elders, and myself are going to the home of an eighty year old man who was supposed to have a pacemaker put in this week, but he can't because he has an infection. So his seventy year old wife has asked us to come and pray. So the podcast preacher preacher can supplement, but they can't show up for prayer when. You can't have the pacemaker put in. And that's and that's what we've got to embrace and remember, right? But it's not just that you're our shepherd and you're going to pray with us. Freddie, what you do on Sunday morning in your scriptures that you wonderfully, you're not just an orator. If anybody missed out and you were not be able in person, you 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 can hear that sermon. You can you can actually experience the the service online. But to be present in what the service was, at least first service, I assume second service was the same. The presence of the Holy Spirit that came through the direction that you provided yeah, us, not just yeah. what you presented in someone, which sure. I think was spectacular. Sure. Have I had a better sermon on someone? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I don't know that I have. Yeah. But my point being, Freddie, we are supporting you as our shepherd, not just because you're a great orator, not because you can't exegete most scriptures wonderfully. Yeah. But you have the passion and the commitment to the people that God is sending to you. Yeah. And you are going to breathe into them yeah, God's yeah. word. Well, and to be and to be clear, 
it's not support that I'm looking for. It's actually it, it's actually protection that I'm seeking to extend, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, I got it's, you. it's the shepherd piece in me that I'm just aware. I thank God I've not had this problem a lot. I mean, I can't even remember the last time I experienced it. But I but I have lots of pastor brothers that that experience this, um, where people grow dissatisfied with what they're hearing on Sunday morning because they're li- they're comparing them all the week to the best the top three best preachers in the country. You know, well, I don't so know we, live in, we live in a very interesting day, you know. Well, I don't know if this preacher is the best. Uh, oh, he's one of them. So anyway, so inside joke. Sorry, inside joke. So so this preacher in a, in a recent series, probably last year. You know, when we hear the word devil, we hear Satan. We have images of that, but he used the word he used the word accuser. Mm-hmm. But in this case, you were talking about take us back to where we were. You go to maybe a a, a a culture that may not have the trappings, the the niceties, the internet, the nice homes. I mean, they don't even have HVAC in their home, and we think, oh, poor these people, and they are so happy. Mm. And we see what we're living in. He, he equates Netflix. Prime Video, Hulu, our phones, social media, the stuff that we have to do to a pacifier, a passy, that the deceiver wow. is not going to say, I'm going to strike you with cancer and kill you. Some, we're going to have cancer and die. Some of us are going to have COVID. You, you faced that a year ago. But where the deceiver, that scary Satan, red beast-looking thing is, what the deceiver's going to do is not going to take you down on your faith. He's going to completely distract us by giving us pacifiers so that we cannot taste and see. We're going to have the pacifier of the culture around us and miss out on what God really does taste like. Yeah. And so that's what I don't want to miss today. So lastly, lastly, bear fruit in season in community group, which my community group meets at 10 o'clock after the first service on Sunday morning in the Boeing Lounge. We've had a couple, actually four or five more um, new um, members, which is so great. Here's something yes. podcast listeners can pray for, yes. is that your community group would be effective in multiplying soon. We're, we're, we're working that way. For right, sure. but they can pray for that. Very soon. So right now, as you're listening, Jonathan's community group is growing. It's the largest community group. It's set up more more like a Sunday school class, Correct. but it, the, the, the feels community group-esque. But it needs to multiply. That's right. Pray that God would give leaders the courage to step out and lead. I think those in my community group know who they are. They need to lead, and they're going to. I, I feel love very it. Comfortable. I love it. But one of the members of the community group, I always ask after the intro, what stuck today? Yeah. And the question came is, if the tree is planted by streams, flowing streams, streams of water, then why are they only bearing fruit in its season, what does that mean? Does yeah. that mean they're not always bearing fruit? Is this Galatians? The fruit of the oh, Spirit is question. love, joy, peace, patience. So it why, was, why isn't it always bearing fruit? Why is it only bearing fruit in its season? That was the question. That's right. I love that. You, and so I said, not know, I was, I, I learned, bio, I was a biology minor almost, or major in Shake college. It That's right. I didn't take a couple courses. But I had learned the life cycle of a tree or a plant. I had to do that. But what you realize is just because a tree or any other plant is not showing a fruit does not mean it's not growing, it's not thriving. Yes. It's just not the appointed time for it to bear yes. fruit that we can see. Yes. I, I love that because a tree, a healthy tree, 
it may not be the season that it's bearing fruit, but it's preparing to bear fruit. In other words, it's in the healthy process where at the right time it will bear fruit. So it's healthy and it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do, but it'll yield its fruit at the proper time. So so that's so I, I've given one key for spiritual maturity. What was it, Jonathan? Persevere. In what? Suffering. Perseverance. Oh, I was listening. Ooh, did you hear that? But the second key to spiritual maturity is patience. It's patience. You and your peace. I love your alliteration. That's not what I was trying to say. Onomatopoeia, palindromes, now alliterations. Let's go. Persevere, patience. That's not what I was trying to do. I know, but it's beautiful. It just came out so naturally. Yeah. But uh, but that's a good word, right? Like, and, you know, then I think, like, even, and that's where, like, pruning comes in as well. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, I love gosh. it. Come on. No, no. Persevere. I'm moving on. To no, no, I love, no, no, keep going. Persevere. No <laughs> yeah. patience. But this is important. We talked about this yesterday morning yeah. that even when you, we're always doing something wrong, but let's say the core of what you're doing is is honorable and is God-driven. Yeah. God's still going to prune you because yeah. he wants to grow you. No, that's right. Pruning doesn't just come when the plant is like dying. Pruning comes in the most fruitful seasons. Um. To, to generate more and more growth, to create room for the health to flourish. That's good. Um, I love that, man. So good. I, I've got a song that goes back to what we were talking about. Uh, so when you get done with the podcast today, look up Andrew Peterson's song, Land of the Free. Land of the Free. Andrew Peterson, he's my, my wife's favorite uh, singer-songwriter. Land of the Free. And it'll reinforce the idea that we were talking about just, just a second ago. Andrew Peterson. Sorry, I'm so like ADD this morning. No, you're good. You're good. All right. Well, I'm not tapped out. You good? Man, what a great day on the podcast, JV. I think so. It's always a good organic time. And um, uh, Hey, let us know you're listening. Shoot us a line. Uh, Catch us on Sunday morning. Bring some questions, some topics. We're always, we've got some interviews coming up soon. So you'll hear some stories again. But uh, JV, I've really enjoyed digging in. and It's been so fun for me. Taking a little digger, a deeper dig into the scripture daily, from Sunday. Every weekly, daily, deeply delight. You want to pray for our listeners, JV? Go oh, for Lord, it. Lord, well, thank you so much for your word. So much that you've given us, that you give us your spirit and your character of who you are. You've given us the direction of how you created us. Thank you so much that you are present with us. It was such a wonderful Sunday that we got to feel your spirit in such a in a, in a, in a congregational way that we get to see you work. Thank you for Fred and his staff and all the ministry, lead teams, and everybody that puts the hands and feet of Jesus in every week. Thank you so much that you are blessing this church. Help us continue to follow your lead in what you've called us to do. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.